0: As you may already know, I am the Montreal City Manager for Go Running Tours. You can book a run in Montreal on the Go Running website, and I will turn up to be your tour guide while we run together. In fact, sometimes, if you're really lucky, Liz will actually turn up because uh, she does backup services for me. Well, one evening I was in the city to run with a chap called Michael Long. We had a great 20K run and chatted about the city, running, travel, and everything and anything. I mentioned that I was a co-host of a podcast called Running Book Reviews. And he said, oh, I wrote a book about running in different places of the world. I'll send you a copy. I thought, and I said, I have a better idea. Send us two copies, and we'll read it, and we'll cover it in our podcast. So here we are. Hi, and welcome to the Running Book Reviews podcast, where we review books written for runners, about runners, and by runners, to help you decide if you'd like to read the book for yourself. We also hope that listening to us chat about running can help keep you motivated about your own running and maybe inspire you to try something new or different. My name's Alan, and with my co-host Liz, we're going to talk with author Michael Long about his book, The Mock Olympian.
1: Inspired by the 2012 Olympics, Michael, the author, embarked on a journey to run in every Olympic city, 23 in total, before the 2016 Olympics. Although he tried to combine trips if he was in a particular corner of the world, his goal required a lot of travel and even a month off once it was time to go to LA and Mexico City, which luckily Michael's employer approved. The book is divided into 25 short chapters. The first two chapters are general background about how the idea came about and a little about Michael. The 23 remaining chapters are dedicated to each of the 23 Olympic cities. A little bit about Michael Long. Michael Long started running later in life after he realized he could no longer call his excess weight baby fat in his late 20s. Even though he started running later, he accomplished quite a few fast times in various distances, including a half marathon around 1.20, so that's 80 minutes. Although he was working in London during the 2012 Summer Olympics, Michael has lived in many other cities including Athens, Brussels, Perth, Newcastle, and Sydney. Michael loves to travel and has been to over 75 different countries, He loves traveling so much that he studied tourism in university and has been in the industry ever since. So welcome to the podcast, Michael.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me.
1: So I guess the first question is, um, what made you decide to write this book?
2: Good question. So um, I guess, as you were mentioning just then, I got quite into running later on in my, my 20s um uh, it it all started actually from, from um i did a half marathon the great north run in newcastle that was my first race that i ever did uh when i was 26 i think i was i was nearly 27 um and then after that i kind of found this kind of like new Uh, Enjoyment of fitness um, and working up towards a challenge. So I kind of thought I'll I'll do one each year. I'll do something different. So I did uh, a few different things. Like I did the London to Brighton bike ride uh, in in the UK in England. It's about fifty miles. Then I signed up to cycle from London to Paris for an organisation. And then I'd thought I wonder if I could run a marathon. Um, And so in twenty ten, I I then signed up to do the Athens marathon. Um, and I trained for that um, sort of going from not really being a runner again. I hadn't really done a race since that four years before the great North run. Uh, so it was kind of like starting from scratch. Um, and so I, I trained for that. I went out to Athens. I did the race. I really enjoyed it. And then after that, I just came back and I thought I'll, I'll enter races in London and, Uh, just kind of keep my fitness and motivation kind of going and then it just sort of became part of just my being I guess Uh, so it's kind of like having a shower now is uh, I have to go for a run uh, most days Um, and so that had kind of happened and um, I was always a big fan of the Olympics I I was born in Athens um, and so the the 1988 Olympics was the first one I, I truly sort of remember when it was in Seoul I was eight years old at the time um, and since then, I'd enjoyed watching them. Um, I was very excited then to, to kind of be living and working in London when the London 2012 Olympics was happening. Um, the lead up was fantastic. The atmosphere. I was lucky enough to get tickets to various different events. Um, so it's just been a phenomenal time to, to kind of be in the city. And during that time, it was actually my birthday. Um, and a friend of mine had said, um, very English, she said, why don't you come over for tea? And I'll make uh, cakes and tea, uh, you know, at my house and we'll, we'll sort of celebrate your birthday one evening after work. Um, and I did that. It was very lovely. A few of us kind of went round um, and she gave me a couple of presents. And one of them, as I opened it, was Time Guide to the Olympics, uh, the Summer Olympics. Um, and it goes through chronological order of like where they've all been hosted since the initial one of the modern games in, in Athens in 1896. And as I opened it, um, my friend's partner, um, he said, I, 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 "On the first page, it was Athens." And I said, "Oh, that's where I finished my first marathon. That's where my first, you know, big race was in that stadium. Is where it finishes, uh, having run from marathon from marathon into the city of Athens." And uh, and he said, "Oh, yeah, but all the travel you do and all the races, like you've probably run in all of the place, all of the cities." And I kind of flicked through the book, and then I was like now I haven't like I haven't run I've been to quite a few of them but I I haven't run run or raced in them and I kind of you know forgot about that for it for a little while and we enjoyed the the rest of the Olympics Um, and then we had the closing ceremony and uh, you know me and my partner we kind of decided let's go out and celebrate have dinner and cocktails in in London we'll treat ourselves to staying in a hotel um, and things like that and it'll be a a great end to, to, to the Summer Olympics and as I went to work on that Monday, I then um, was kind of sat there and I felt quite blue, really, to be honest. I was kind of like, oh, it's all over. Um, and like what to do next. And I thought back to, to what my friend's uh, boyfriend had said. And I thought, you know what? No, I haven't raced in them all. And that's what I'm going to do. Um, and so that day then I decided I'm going to start a blog and I will race in every single city that's hosted the summer Olympics and I'll start now which is the end of London 2012 and I'll aim to finish in Rio uh, in four years time when they host the the 2016 uh, Summer Olympic Games and so that's how it kind of happened I guess um, that was the sort of build-up of like how I got into running but then possibly off the back of a hangover was when I was then thinking <laughs> I need to do something big what shall I do uh, and that's how I came up with them.
1: Yeah, it's really cool that um it was actually a book that inspired you do to do something that ended up being a book as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. And and I hadn't um at the beginning I hadn't necessarily envisaged that it would be a book. Um I, I kind of just set the 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 blog. So my original blog was just called Run Run All the Olympics. Um and I kind of you could, it's still live today. You can go back and you can see that that day that I set it, uh, that I started it, and decided, yes, I'm going to do one in all of these different cities. Um, and it was only as I got a little bit of the way through, I think it was whilst I was in Rome, uh, and I can't remember which number city that was uh, in the order of the the book itself. Uh, but that's when my my other half had said, actually, I think maybe you could actually extend it and not just have it as a blog, but you know, maybe think about like writing something longer that that, that would be a book. Uh, so yeah, hadn't initially intended out. But I think that's also quite nice that it organically transpired into that.
0: So that's a commitment to a hell of a lot of travel in, in a four year period. Did you figure, well, you know, that's all my vacations, and I'll do that? Or uh, yeah. you work in the travel industry, I know. So yeah. did you get some help from the fact that you work in the travel industry? Do you get some free travel or, or were you financing yourself?
2: So unfortunately, no no free travel. I was lucky enough to be able to combine some of the, the trips with some work trips that I was actually doing as well. So I had kind of thought it, this is going to like dominate lots of my holiday and vacation times. Luckily, I had also been working at the organization for quite a, a long time. So I was actually then on a slightly more, I got some extra days, uh, once I'd passed like a certain number of years service. So that was useful, um, as I kind of went into this project. Um, but one in particular, so at the, the role that I was in at the time, I was managing a lot of our um, Scandinavian partnerships uh, and things like that. And uh, I'd gone over for some work meetings. I think it was in it was in Oslo, actually. Uh, we had like a, a meetup with all these different clients. And I was telling them that I'd started this thing. And, and Stockholm and Helsinki were, were two of the cities that I was going to have to race in. And so the Swedish client was like, ah, well, in September, we have uh, the Stockholm half marathon is on this date. And then my Finnish client was in the conversation as well, was also like, ah, and we have a half marathon the following weekend in Helsinki as well. Um, And so then I was like, okay, so our next client meeting, how about I come over to to (laughs) Stockholm, do that race, then we'll work for for two days in in Sweden. Then I'll fly to Finland. We'll do our kind of client meetings in Finland for the remainder of the week. And then I'm already there then for the next the next race. So I was lucky in, in that sense that I could um, combine some some things in that. Um, and then Liz, you mentioned at, at the beginning uh, that I was lucky enough to take a month off. Um, and actually that happened because I was hitting my 10 year anniversary at the organization. I still work there today. So I am 17 years now. Um, but um, when I was coming up to 10 years, um do, do you want to give them so a plug?
0: We're we're okay with that. If you want to give them a plug, you don't have to be sure.
2: You know, yeah, I don't, I don't mind saying yeah, it's Expedia. Um, Expedia Group okay. uh is where I work. Um, and uh so I was coming up to 10 years there, and I remember at the end of at, like my annual review, I'd kind of done that with my manager, and, and she said, Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to like chat about like now, like you know, re- relate relation to your career aspirations and things like that? And I said, Well, actually. I'm going to be turning 10, uh, 10 years at Expedia on this uh, given month uh, next year. Um, and I was wondering if I would be able to take, you know, a, a five weeks off. I'll take two weeks holiday and then, you know, three, three weeks unpaid leave. And uh, I didn't expect it there. And then actually, she was like, yeah, I don't see uh, why that would be a problem. She said, to be honest, I thought you were going to ask for three months. And I was like, I should have. Yeah. Like, maybe I should, have done <laughs> I should have And then I could have done more things all at once. <laughs> um, so that's where then I, I did have this five weeks, which was, um, as you mentioned, part of the um, other races that I did when I, I did a road trip around some of the southern states of, of America. Um, and then I, I combined it with a race in St. Louis, uh, which is one of the most I, I feel like it's one of the the cities that people are kind of like St. Louis. They, they hosted yeah. the Olympics. It's a bit more of a, a surprise to people. And then I went down to Mexico for a few weeks. Um, and then included my Mexico City race there. So yeah, lucky that I could, my work were, you know, were very flexible in that sense. And I did combine some of um, my work trips, but then, yeah, the rest was, was purely planning holidays around races and where do I need to get to and weekends away and things like that.
1: <laughs> so I guess, um, yeah, I guess with, you know, three years left until your 20 year anniversary, maybe you need another goal so you can take another five weeks off or something. All the Winter Olympics,
2: you read all my mind India. i was thinking that and now <laughs> i know i know to go into the conversation saying so i'm thinking of taking 3 months <laughs> off <laughs> so it's like start higher right
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, right exactly um so actually before we get into like all the cities and uh and your actual adventures um you started the book by m- mentioning that you were you were there when london put in the bid to host the Olympics for 2012 um I don't know if you want to explain some of that because like you know you mentioned that you actually set up a, a petition because you were really you really wanted London to be able to host the Olympics and you got people to sign um how does that all work
2: yeah so it, it wasn't uh, me that set up the petition it was just me that was kind of like really plugging it uh, and things so yeah it was in 2005 when uh there was that was when they put the bid in and it was going to be announced later that time. Um, and there was a website that the um, the team, I guess, that, that were putting in the bid uh, and running it, uh, they they had backthebid.com. Um, and so I had stickers for that in my living room window and stuff, like out onto the street. And then I remember sending it round to all my teams and all my networks to kind of like say, will you please sign it? I do remember one of my colleagues, like sort of, shouting over the desk going, I've done it for you, Michael, because you said it's really important to you, although I'm not happy that it means my taxes are going to go up because I'm I'm gonna have to pay for the hosting of the Olympics in the city I live and work in. Uh but they did do it. And so that's where I, I'd i been very passionate about wanting the, the the Olympics to be in London. Um I guess my first experience of that had actually been when I still lived in Greece. Um so I lived in Greece from from when I was born in 1980 to um, to 1990 and in 1990 that's when uh, or, or just before it was probably about 1989 that's when they had put the bid in uh, at athens to host the 1996 olympics because it was going to be the centenary um, and that was my first experience i think there is a picture in the book maybe of me wearing a t-shirt when i am like nine and it says athens um, bid city 1996. Now, unfortunately, they didn't win that time, so my my campaigning wasn't successful first time round. Uh, but when it came to London, they were successful, of course, in 1995. Um, and I do remember the the time it was announced. It was uh, it was around a lunchtime. The the office that I worked in. It was a different organisation at the time. We all kind of went out into the reception to watch on the big screen where we kind of had like a TV. Um, where they then announced that that London was going to be successful. So, yeah, it was a good a good moment.
1: In all fairness, like you were only ten the first time, so you know, I I, I think you can forgive yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, you didn't have quite <laughs> the leverage.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. Your network wasn't <laughs> as big. <laughs> it wasn't as big. I didn't have the internet. I didn't have as many colleagues to hassle. Yeah. Okay, so you've just committed yourself to uh,
0: a four year, fully all in program of traveling around places that are now defined and based on sporting events, probably. And you, you through the story, you seem, at the time, you have a partner, Steve. Yes. So what did he say when you said, oh, well, you know, no no vacations for the next four years or or you
2: have to come running with me? Uh...
1: Or is he a runner?
2: He, he's not a runner, no. Um, he likes to watch um, and uh, he's, got, he's got very good at tracking me in terms of time and knowing where like planning routes of like I know he'll be at this point by that point and I should then move here. So he he's got that down to an art. Um he's more of a, a tennis player himself. Um so that's his that's his sport. But yeah, I think like when I, I came up with it, I think he was very excited because he was kind of thinking great, they're all amazing places, love to go to them all. <laughs> so um so he did come on quite a lot of them, not all of them, because uh, that would have meant that he would have needed the, the times off and things like that. But he also worked in travel um, and uh, was able to, to to kind of come on, on quite a few of them. Um, and he's actually Australian as well. So then when the two cities in Australia that I had to then go to, so Melbourne and Sydney, um, that was also a good chance for him to to visit friends and family back home as well for him. So... Uh, so, yeah, he was pretty excited that um, that they were all uh, nice places to visit. And and it also gave him a chance to to explore places that potentially he wouldn't have gone to before. So I think actually with Rio uh, was a place that he kind of had not really been on his uh, sort of roadmap of places that he thought I'd really want to go there over other places. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, when we were there for the five days of the the time that uh, we made a trip down there and, and I had the race, um, he really, really enjoyed it, and like recommends it to everyone. So it was a chance for him to to discover new places too.
1: That's amazing. Oh, it's
2: good. And just as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
1: so I guess um maybe we can start with uh, how you started running in the first place. Like you did mention that you um started with the Great North Run. Um, yeah. And then you just let it consume your soul after that.
2: Yeah. So I think when I was younger, I. I had, I, I similar to you, I'd been um, more of a swimmer uh, when I was sort of like in my early teens to mid-teens. So I'd competed quite a lot of that at different, uh, different events and, and things. And I also played field hockey. Uh, that was another thing that I had done in my sort of like school time. And then after school, I didn't really, at university, I didn't really necessarily do sport uh, as such. Um, so I'd kind of like let all those, those kind of like go. Um, and then it was with a group of friends who I went to university in Newcastle which is in the northeast of England which is where the great North run um is held each year um and so that's where I went to university and there were three other friends um that we used to still meet up um and have weekends away together and stuff and one of them she had done the great North run I think she'd done it twice already at this point um and she'd emailed us the four of us uh, or the other three um, kind of then saying hey I've entered the ballot for the great north run again here it is like you know if you wanted to, to give it a shot and we all entered into the ballot um, and kind of I, I don't know I didn't really think about it that much I just was like oh yeah well sure like she said it's fun and said it's a great um, you know experience and she's entering for another time and then ironically, the three of us that had not done it before, not really considered it, only entered it because she had sent us the link. We all got a place. And then the original friend, she didn't. Uh, so Aww. it was us it was us three that then got them. And then we're like, oh no, like what are we? We're gonna have to like actually train and stuff. <laughs> um and she was very supportive and actually so that's how i i then got into doing it because i had to then train uh for for this for the great north run and i, I really enjoyed it and then i i did fundraising for a for a, a cancer charity at that time as well and that's what then made me think i want to do something different each year um and so i did a few different bike rides i did a, a triathlon um and then it was only in 2009 so i guess like 3 years later that then I kind of thought, actually, maybe I could do a marathon one day. Um, And I thought, if I'm going to do one, because let's face it, that's all I'm going to ever manage. I'll never be able to do anything more than that. Um, And um, I decided I'll I'll do the Athens one because that's where I was born. It's very historical in in terms of, uh, you know, being the original one running from marathon to Athens. I hadn't been back to Athens since I was 18, um, so all these things kind of like just combined to then go right. I'll 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 train for that one. And I went out to Athens. My parents uh, they were still alive at the time, and they came with me for for the weekend as well, which was really fun to to go back to places that we'd uh, you know visited. And we went back to my school uh, and things like that. I remember at the end of of the Athens marathon, I was kind of sat on the on the ground, uh, sort of like taking a moment, like just the cue to get your bag from like the bag reclaim thing um uh, w- was absolutely massive and i was like oh i can't stand up for for all of this i'm just going to sit down for a moment and just chill um and there was a, a woman who started talking to me um and she was she was from america she traveled over to athens to, to run the marathon and she said oh how many marathons have you done and i was like oh, no this is this is it like you know i've just done it today and and you know and that's me done now and uh, she was like, oh, maybe give it like 15 minutes and you'll start planning another one.
0: <laughs> and I was like, no way,
2: that's not happening. Uh, I won't. Um, and then um, sure enough, um, as you've kind of read, uh, and I'm I'm in training again now for another marathon. So I guess, uh, yeah, um, 12 years later, I'm still kind of doing that thing. And, and sometimes I catch myself being that voice that she was to me when uh, there was a person on my team recently did uh, their first marathon. I think I did say to them at one point, oh, well, you know, once you've done it, like maybe you'll you'll see about like where else you want to do. And, and at the time they were like, no, 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 this is it. Um, and when they came back, sure enough, from the, their marathon a, a month or so ago. They were like, I'd I'd quite like to do maybe one more, see if I can beat my time. So, yeah, yeah, I found that now now my role has changed into where I am in that conversation.
0: Yeah, I can give up any time that I want. I'm not addicted.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I I know that in the book you didn't just run in the cities that you visited. You did all various sorts of events. Some cities you did sort of triathlons. Some cities had organized events at the time, so you you went in for those and some didn't. How did you decide on the events?
2: Yeah, so it was mainly from like whatever I could find online, really. So I'd be kind of like Googling. Um, I usually would start off with like half marathon and see what I could sort of find from there. Um, But then I did realize as I then started to, to move into thinking, oh, this could potentially be a book, I thought it won't be as exciting if I just kind of say, oh, and then I did another half marathon and then another, and then another, and another. So I thought perhaps it would be interesting if I started to like vary what I do. Um, and actually with, I think it was the the third chapter was actually when I was gonna be in Tokyo. So I was happened to also be going there on holiday. And I thought I'm unlikely to be going to back to Japan in the next three and a half years. And that's where I was sort of like scrambling around thinking, is there a race? It's the peak of summer very unlikely that they're going to have a a, a marathon or a half marathon. And I found a running club who who said, you know, we're going to do a 5k time trial on the one of the days that you're here, come down to the track, and we'll do that. And we'll have it as sort of like your Tokyo uh, race. Um, And so that's where it was also quite nice to then sometimes find different pockets of communities as well to also start Uh, you know running with and the first running tour actually that I did um, so I know that's how we connected Alan uh, this summer um, but actually that was off the back of um, I had found a a half marathon to run in Rome from for for my event um, and it was about a week before they emailed I've had all my flights and my hotels and everything booked and um they emailed saying oh due to the change in date of the general election or something uh we've pushed the um race back by a week hopefully that's not a problem but obviously i was like well i mean it's quite a big problem given that (laughs) i don't live in rome (laughs) so um then i was scrambling around like what else can i do and that's how i came across a, a running tour company there uh, and that sort of introduced me to to running tours as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it, some of them were sort of, I guess there was a need for that one because I was like, uh, well, and Tokyo, I, I was, I'm was i going to be in the city. I need to find something uh, to, to kind of do. Um, and then the rest I would sort of plan, yeah, just by research online of like what events are happening throughout the year. When does it fit in with my timetable of when I can kind of get there uh, and things like that. So that's how I, I, I sort of uh, came across them as well. And because um, I, I never knew that in Amsterdam, they do a city swim through the the canals. Um, that was, um, again, just sort of like researching like athletic events in Netherlands or in Amsterdam. Um, and then I saw that one and then I was kind of like, that's cool. Uh, like maybe I'll try that instead of running, give the legs a, a bit of a different rest, I guess, um, in trying that one. So. Yeah, it was just through a bit of research and sort of finding out. Some of them, as you probably read, were fairly famous, let's say. So in Sydney, I already knew that the City to Surf um, mm-hmm. race uh, existed. Um, so some of them I knew uh, that, like, that one is up at that time of year and that's what I'd like to do um, for them. Um, but, yeah, some was just um, pure kind of, like, Google scramble to find out what's happening where.
1: So basically what like the, one of the criteria was that it had to be like an organized event was that was or did you not really have any criteria but you kind of prefer organized events
2: yeah no, i didn't really have like a set of criteria it just had to be most of them i i did ideally want it to be an organized event where it was kind of a race or or something like that um but then if if i didn't have the opportunity to to do that then just anything that could kind of fit in with my timetable. So I think there were a few that were um, that I, that was my first running tour, the one that I did in Rome. And then during that five weeks off where I then uh, had the race in St. Louis um, and then I was in that area and obviously traveling around and had the time off work. So I combined with Atlanta and Mexico city. Again, those were ones where I had to find, um, like running tours or different groups to to kind of run with, and I, I quite enjoyed. Um, it it, it brought a, a different level, I guess, to where it is the organized events, because typically I'd be running with a smaller group. I'd get to know uh, someone from from the city or who's living and working in the city. They may not have been from the city originally, but and they give you different tips and tricks. So it sort of changes your experience of the the city itself as well. So I quite liked that. That then. There was a bit of a mixture of of different things in there for me to experience through throughout the whole uh, sort of challenge and, and journey.
0: It's interesting hearing about your um various events. There are only two events that I've done that are in your book, and that's the Great North Run and the City Sydney City to Surf. That we have those in common, essentially on either yeah. side of the world.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: One race that I was particularly interested, one run that I was particularly interested in. That made for, I think, quite a good story and and ended up coming around again. It was in London, but it ended up coming around again in Rio at the end was um, Streaks for Tigers. Tell tell us about Streaks for Tigers. (laughs) I've never heard of this. It sounds like it's raising money for the London Zoo
2: sure yes it is um so when I, I started the challenge so living and working in london i was kind of like well i've already got that one city uh you know ticked off and so uh for those that haven't yet read read the book um essentially that chapter i decided to still theme it around olympic and i, I sort of chose in london because i'd had so many different events i thought how can i possibly just pick one to talk about so i did a decathlon of uh you know events that i've done in london so some include like london marathon and different half marathons and things like that uh, but yeah you're right there is this one streak for tigers uh, that i did i think that was in 2013 i think uh, so the year after the olympics and i was on my way to work uh, so just on the on the london underground i was reading like the free paper um and there was an advert saying are you brave enough to streak for tigers I sort of was like, I wonder wonder what that's all about. And what I didn't realise is that it was an advert from London Zoo and a group of tigers is actually called a streak. Um, And so they'd recently had a a tiger enclosure for Sumatran tigers and conservation um, from the the Zoological Society of London. And they wanted people to to do a fundraiser for Sumatran tigers to protect them in the wild and, and conservation and things like that. And so... As they're a streak, uh, they were like, "Are you brave enough to streak around London Zoo uh, in order to raise money for it?" And I was really, I was obviously feeling very bold when I read this. Uh, so I was kind of like, "Yeah, I could do that. That's easy. Uh, like, no problem." Uh, and I got to work and I logged on and I signed up for my my um, uh, thing. I put it in my diary uh, and I was kind of like, "Yeah, cool. I don't mind running uh, naked around uh, London Zoo." Um, and then it got to the day of the event. And then I was kind of like, it was. After, it was like I remember it being on a Thursday. It was on like a Thursday, and I finished work. And I didn't really tell people at work that I, I was like, I don't want to tell them just in case like I don't do it. And then I'll come into work tomorrow, and everyone will be like, "So did you run naked?" And I'll be like, no, "No, no, I wasn't brave enough." Um. So I didn't really tell anyone. And then I sort of went, made my way to the zoo, and I was thinking, "Am I am I brave enough?" Um. And I got to the zoo. I was like, "I'll get I'll get there and see see what happens." And um, I got there to to check in at the zoo and register. Uh, and the person that was managing uh, the sort of like check-in desk uh, was like, oh, you know, um, you, you go through that way. It's about a 300-meter loop and you'll run round it like three times or something like that, uh, I think it was. And they were like, it will be very clear. Um, and so they said, here are your tiger ears. Uh, so they gave us little tiger ears to wear. And they <laughs> said, yeah they were like they're the only things that you can wear obviously apart from your your running trainers you can keep your trainers on but you're only allowed to wear your ears and nothing else and if you don't want to if you want to wear something unfortunately you won't be able to participate uh, because we do we are going to be taking photos and things like that and we want it to kind of be you know the, the group streaking for, for tigers uh, and i was kind of like oh, okay wow so like I <laughs> great I'm so just on gonna... top
1: of it they're gonna they're telling you that they're gonna take photos of you just to make yeah. you feel more at ease with your decision yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they were kind of like, yes, there will be cameras. And if you don't want to be seen, then probably not the event for you. Um, and so um, I was kind of thinking, am, am I brave enough to street for tigers? And then they followed up by saying, if you go through that way, we do have a bar. Um, it's free. Uh, they're doing shots of alcohol, and I was like, "Great, that's what that's going to help me get to my uh, my bravery <laughs> level." Um, and then they they said that, and then they were like, "So if you just go through this way, go into the building, up the stairs, uh, men's changing room to the left, women's to the right." Uh, and I was kind of like, "What what difference does that make? It's kind of a bit irrelevant." Point? Like, I don't really at know this why. At this point, was, you
1: might as you might as well change in the zoo because
2: I know exactly. Why are we separate? But anyway, okay, that's cool. Um, and they, they gave you one of the, um, it's the first time actually, I've had one of those foil blankets at the beginning of a race normally you get to the end of a marathon art marathon they give them to you to obviously stop but then they gave them to you because they were like oh you can go un-, I was going to say change but I guess it's just literally undress and then you can put that around you whilst you then come down to the waiting area and you can have some drinks and they had little tiger cupcakes I think that you could eat and, and stuff like that whilst you wait around until we do the the starting um, so yeah, so that's the first time I've ever worn one of those uh, like before a race actually happened. And then yeah, I, d- I did that and then sort of came downstairs I did have a few shots uh, I will say from that free bar uh, and then was feeling bold enough to to do the 300 or 600 meters that it was uh, naked around uh, London Zoo. but yeah, I think someone did ask me when I, when I sort of posted about that one on my blog, someone was like, oh do, do, like had you ever like run? naked before and i was like well no like it's not really that <laughs> i don't think uh, i can really just do my training normally out and about in london <laughs> with no mm-hmm. clothes on i don't think i would uh, survive uh, the non-arrest from that
0: and it ended up being a headline in in rio because you got interviewed by the press when oh you were that's in rio.
2: true yeah i think yes i'd, I'd forgotten about it. yeah that thank you for reminding me yeah so when i um was in rio uh, obviously, that was my last then race of like you know the the culmination of like the, the twenty three cities. and yeah, one of the the papers had then kind of said, oh could we could we come and do an interview uh with you and and um uh, it's quite a, a a famous uh Brazilian you know newspaper o globo uh, and I think it's on. I can't remember what page it is. I want to say page six or page five or something like that. Um, So my team, one of my subsequent teams that I've worked with at at Expedia, that uh, quite a few of them were based in Sao Paulo and, uh, and they said, Oh yeah, it's actually, um, that page is where they have like, you know, quirky stories and just fun things. And that's the page that that my story was on. And then they'd actually gone out and and, uh, tried to to buy a physical copy of it. And they've got, uh, you know, ones uh, for me as well to send over. Uh, And I don't speak Portuguese. um, And then I'd sort of, they were laughing um, when they were talking about it uh, when we were on a call and they were like, do you know what the headline says, Michael? And I was like, no, like, does it just say something about like running the Olympics and stuff like that? And they were like, no, it says um, I've run drunk naked around London Zoo. And I was like, (laughs) great. I'm so pleased that that I've just told all of my Brazilian colleagues to go out and get the paper. uh, And that's the headline. But um, yeah, it was fun.
0: I suspect all the Brazilians
2: are proud of you for doing that. True. It it didn't change our working relationship. So, yeah, it was uh, it was good.
1: So um, that's uh, it's a good time now, I think, to jump into um, like how much drinking actually happened on all these trips. I, like it it seemed like you can tolerate a lot of alcohol and and you actually uh, don't even know what a hangover feels like. So I don't know, like, have you ever like asked Google if it's possible to be, you know, immune to hangovers or like, is there some kind of like genetic trait that could um, because in, the, in your book, you said that um, that you pretty much only got hungover once for 23 minutes.
2: Yeah, that was a bad moment. That was a bad 23 minutes <laughs> for me. And I remember the friend that I was traveling with at the time, I'd been to Oktoberfest in, in Munich. Um, and I had this 23 minute hangover. It was horrendous. And I remember going back to the hotel room. And I said to my friend, oh, we were on a train, I think later that day. And I said to my friend, I was like, you know what? I know how you feel now when you say you're hungover. And she was like, you absolutely don't. She was like, that is how I feel for like three days. (laughs) And you felt it for 23 minutes. It doesn't count. Um, So she she wasn't as sympathetic. Yeah, I kind of put it down to um, maybe it's just lucky um, genetics because, yeah, I don't ever really remember my mum or dad Ever having a hangover, even when they'd had like, you know, a New Year's Eve party or something like that. Um so, so maybe there's something that I inherited from them. But I do, I do also think that um the running and things like that, I do feel like that probably does help me. So actually, last night was my work Christmas night out. Um, it wasn't particularly wild for me, but you know, I we had a fair amount to drink. Um and then I still went training to to a, a class this morning, uh, you know, you know, for, before work, um, and I do kind of feel like the the exercise helps me. Sort of, I guess, in a sense, you sweat it out, or and your body kind of you know, burns stuff <laughs> off a little bit more. Although maybe that's going to change as a, as I progress through the through my age groups. Who knows? Um, I'll keep you posted on it. I guess the ones the bit where probably not. Uh, I wouldn't advocate for for this. Um, But when I was racing in L.A. uh, for that uh, that chapter, I'd gone with a couple of friends uh, to to L.A. for a week. And uh, we had some some nights staying in West Hollywood. Then I was actually racing in Disneyland uh, is where my race was actually happening. Um, And then we were going to to Venice Beach for a few days after that as a trip. And, And when we were in West Hollywood. Um, you know it had been some touristy bits and then also some shopping and like a bit of hiking in the hills and then like um, some sort of like crazy cocktail time Um and then I do remember uh, that when I got to the start line of the the race in Disneyland I do remember thinking it was only about 24 hours ago that I was getting home from that night out that's probably not the ideal prep for um, you know a half marathon but that one actually turned out uh, all right I, I placed pretty highly in that one so but I, I wouldn't say that I, that's how I prepare for them now um, <laughs> that was definitely a one-off um, getting carried away in the Hollywood uh, sunshine I think.
0: Makes for some good stories though as well
2: just switching the
0: subject up a little bit you're, you're a strong advocate for gay rights and equality were you worried about going to to Russia? I think Sochi, isn't it, in Russia? You know, there's a significant amount of sort of homophobia and aggression versus gays. Um, Did that give you pause for concern?
2: Yeah, I think at the time, um, I'd I'd been to Russia before um, on holiday, and Stephen, my other half, he'd actually lived in Russia uh, in the mid-90s for for six months. He'd lived in Moscow while he was working there at one point. And so obviously Moscow was one that... um, Again, like I was saying, when you asked, like, was, was Stephen excited by them? That was one of the ones where he was like, brilliant, I can't wait to sort of go again and maybe see some of the places okay. that, uh, you know, I, I used to uh, see in the hotel that he'd like worked in as part of the opening team and stuff like that. But leading up to it was when the, the Winter Olympics in Sochi was was happening. And yeah, there was a lot around kind of hu- the human right element and, and particularly related to LGBTQ plus. Uh, community and, you know, what that could mean for people uh, from that community in, you know, within Russia. And so it did make me think, like, should I be should I be going there? Is it like safe to go there? You know, yeah, it it did make me think about it a little bit more. And then I'd I'd read an article from another journalist who also was then part is is part of the uh, LGBTQ plus community and they would kind of said like we need to also continue the education as well so by just not being present and not being visible um, that's not going to change things in in the future Um, and so that was one of the things that I then and and that she'd written that in the lead up to the Olympics saying like you know um, athletes from that community you should still go and uh you know be visible be present um and that's what kind of gave me probably that extra push to then think no i should go i should do that and naturally there were things that i had to do differently in terms of how i traveled there in 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 the sense of you're booking a twin room and things like that you just have to be sensible in those types of things but yeah it did give me um a lot of things to think about before and i i guess um you know afterwards as well for, for those people in the community that are you know in that live in russia and are from russia as well
1: i really i really wanted to um know who your coach was because in the book you mentioned that your coach is a silver medal holder yeah. from 2006 in the melbourne commonwealth games and uh and it's a it's a she but you never may name her. Nah, so um, I think
2: I was... I think I name her it.
1: And Alan Alan wants to guess oh, okay. who, who it is.
2: Yeah, we
0: had a discussion about this, so I, I figured um by process of elimination, and I can edit this out afterwards if my guess is wrong, <laughs> so I can have a no like you a should live keep it in. On, <laughs> um I'm gonna guess that it's Joe Pavey.
2: Uh, it's not Joe Pavey um uh, it is sure. i have met joe Pavey a couple of times at various different uh, races that she's been running at the same time she's an incredible incredible athlete and a, and a lovely woman uh but no she's not my, my coach laura turner uh is uh my coach uh, so i still see her today um so uh and i do my track sessions with her i think i mentioned her um, in the sort of acknowledgements that either the beginning or the end. But yeah, I haven't necessarily put her <laughs> in the chapter uh, itself. So yeah, Laura, she's actually a, a sprinter um, originally. So when she was competing in uh, Commonwealth games and for team GB, she was a hundred and 200 meter sprinter. Um, and that's what she'd won her her medal for. And we'd connected, she's um, from West London uh, and I live in, in West London as well. And so, as I sort of started this challenge, it was actually through this that then I, I met her because I then was tweeting my sort of like blog up, um, posts and things like that and sharing them. And then I was probably following slightly more athletes. I feel like London 2012 was also one the, the sort of time when twitter sort of really erupted because there was so much kind of like happening and people sharing on that so i was following a lot more athletes and it was becoming easier to sort of like connect with you know people in the public eye um, i guess and so i'd started following her and um on twitter and she'd kind of liked a few of my posts uh, you know like some of my results that i'd kind of posted and she also then had done a couple of tweets, I think, where it was sort of like bits of words of encouragement, of like you know, well done, uh, on to the next one. And then, as I sort of looked at her profile, just you know, one day when she'd done that, I noticed that she'd said that she was starting to do uh, sort of like personal training. Um, and so I emailed her and then just kind of said, "Hey, I, I, I'd be keen to see what benefit I can get from from training with someone like you." And we arranged to meet for for a coffee to to talk about. Like what my ambitions were, whether it would meet with what she thought that we could, uh, you know, work on together, and that was in—I want to say—that was in like 2014. Uh, so that's quite a long time now, and we still meet once a week at the track. And uh, she's definitely helped me think a lot and evolve the way that I run, in the sense of, you know, trying to run more efficiently, you know, you know, picking up my feet more. Um, whereas before I was just kind of like self-training before her. Um, and she also is the person that's really helped me understand the benefit of, you know, mixing your, your training as well. You don't just, don't just run every day because like you need to do other strength pieces. You also need to do different types of running sessions that you can't just run 10 K and then just continue to improve. Um, and so generally Mm -hmm. with her, I do a track session um and it's often shorter sprint style um, and it's the type of session that i would never do if she weren't there blowing a whistle uh making me do it i would never like in weeks where she's away traveling maybe um and not not available she sometimes in the past has kind of said oh you could still come down to the track and do something similar i'm like I'm not going to lie to you. I probably am not going to do that because I just probably won't do it. And I won't run it as fast as uh, as I should um, when you're here. Um, so, yeah, I still very much enjoy training with that.
0: Yeah, the power of a coach. And uh, also, if you can't get a coach or afford a coach, the power of a club, which sort yeah. of helps you a little bit in those respects as well. Absolutely. Um, we've run together, um, Michael, so, so I know you a little bit. You're a very tall person um, what what on earth prompted you to try one of those tiny capsule hotels in, in Tokyo when you were in Tokyo?
2: I just um, I guess they're so famous, aren't they? The pod hotels. Uh, then yeah. I just was like, just for one night, I definitely want to try it. Um, I probably should have planned it better so that it wasn't the night before that 5K time trial, because, as you say, I, I am quite tall. Um, it was in the middle of summer, as I mentioned just before. Um, so it wasn't the best night's sleep uh, for me. But it was definitely an experience, um, uh, the one that I would recommend if people are traveling around Japan, it is fun to do. I was quite impressed with, you know, the, the level of comfort of it because I did just kind of think it was it's just going to be like literally the bed and then just a little door. But it did have like, like its own little TV, uh, like little ha- headphones where you plugged in and, and stuff um so it did have a lot more comfort than i thought it was going to but yeah i, I, I my height uh it didn't necessarily uh, accommodate for that in the best way so when i go back to japan uh in march of next year i have the tokyo marathon which is what i'm training for right now i've just booked all of my hotels actually this week and i i haven't put a pod hotel in there but i feel like i've done it now it was fun it was good i'd recommend it to anyone for the first time um, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not revisiting it on this trip.
1: Okay. So so basically it's one of those things like you recommend doing it once, but maybe not more than once. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I think yeah. For me it was kind of like an experience. I was like, okay, I've kind of ticked it off now. So uh so that was cool. Glad I did it. Uh recommend it. But this time, yeah, I'm I'm staying in a hotel room where I can actually stand up and get dressed. Okay,
1: that's fair. Yeah. Out of all the Cities that you ended up running in, did you have a favorite or one that you said that you maybe you'd go back to one day?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a. I really struggle with that question, so it's like a, a one that everyone often asks. I think with, with all of the cities, I, I, I genuinely loved being in all of them, and I would visit all of the cities again because I, I, I do travel a lot. Um, as as you were saying at the the beginning. Uh, in the introduction I really enjoy it and I always think there's always something good about everywhere Uh, whether it's like people that you've met whether it's food whether it's architecture whether it's something there's always something great but with the actual races and and things that I did a couple that kind of stick in my mind that I really loved so was City to Surf I really enjoyed that Um, and I think that I mean, it's just so huge. Alan, you were saying you've done it. So you you know how big uh, a field it is. Um, so it's incredible being in, uh, in a, an event for that many people and feeling that energy. And particularly when there's that that part of, of Heartbreak Hill, as they call it, um, it is a bit heartbreaking. It does go on forever, it feels like. But then you're rewarded with that view back of the harbour and you see the Opera House and the bridge and uh, that was just fantastic. So and then you you kind of then finish like coming down onto Bondi Beach. What a finish that is to then, you know, be able to kind of cool off in the sea um, was pretty cool. So that was one that sticks in my mind. And the other one uh, that I often think of is um, Stockholm. And I really, really loved that. And it's just such a beautiful city and it was an amazing day weather-wise, like bright blue sky. Do the, the course kind of like took us through various different islands within the um archipelago. And it was just a fantastic like, you know, event. Um, and I just really, really enjoyed it. So those are two that I think that stick in my mind for, you know, really positive uh positive reasons. Uh, there are a couple that were a bit more challenging. Um, I would say that the one in Helsinki, which was only like seven days later after Stockholm, that one was a bit harder because it was really raining a lot uh, during that one. <laughs> when you when you're kind of racing in the rain for for quite a long time and, and hanging out in it, it's that can be a bit more difficult. But uh, was still a, a like a scenic place to to kind of like run through. But Stockholm, Sydney, they're two of my favorites that I hope one day to to be able to to race um, those two events again.
0: Was, was there anything in any city that kind of, rather than it be your favourite, that surprised you in some way that wasn't what you expected or was unusual?
2: Probably one of the things that surprised me more in, I guess, within with the Rio one, that was a 10k race. Weather-wise, that really like took me a bit by surprise. I kind of thought, oh, it's going to be hot, but I didn't expect it to be that humid and that misty and like you you couldn't really see the mountains and sugarloaf mountain and things like that that sort of surprised me and i do remember that um in that one as well in terms of the people sort of racing it uh there was a man who was running barefoot as well on the roads in rio so that one that one did surprise me um a little bit um thinking back to to some of the others i don't think there was any that sort of out of the organized events where i kind of thought oh this seems disorganized or, or anything like that I, d- I didn't have any kind of bad surprises in, in that sense at all uh no not in not not for any of the organized ones no
0: one of the things i noticed looking at your times you you seem to be a very regular half marathon runner you did a lot of half marathons and, and you, you you seem to be, this is kind of a personal note outside of the book a little bit. You seem to be a much faster 5K and half marathon runner than Liz and I. Liz and I are very similar sort of speed runners. And we were both going, whoa, those are fast times.
1: Yeah, we were like, I want to run a half marathon that fast. Yeah.
0: But, <laughs> but we noticed as well that you were sort of challenging yourself for a sub three hour marathon in the book, which is exactly what we're we're doing. Um, so it kind of calls to us a little bit because we've been setting ourselves a target of trying to run sub three hour marathons. But it seemed to be in the book; it seemed to be eluding you. Is it? Yeah. Is it still eluding you, or have you have you achieved that yet, or is that one of the future challenges?
2: No, I haven't. I haven't achieved it. I've done three hours, three minutes twice. Um, is my closest that I've got. So both of them, I think, were in the book. So my the one where I I went to Seoul uh in in uh in korea uh for that race that's where i hadn't necessarily thought at the time going into that one that i would get under three hours um i did uh 303 um and then off the back of that i then qualified for london marathon so then i did 303 again Uh, i think i was 11 seconds quicker in london but every second counts right so it it was getting closer to that 302 Um, and then as, as like off the back of uh, this, I guess, so I did that London marathon and then someone then said to me, oh, you've qualified for Boston. Um, and I didn't even really know about like the, the qualifying for, for Boston. So then I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should do that then as well. Um, so I kind of, yeah, put my, my hat in for that one. And then I started realizing of the the six majors, um, and the challenge that people would get for the, the six stars and things. So then I started on that challenge as well. And then as I then got my place at Berlin, that was the one that I'd read about where everyone was like, that's the ultimate, like if you're going to get your fastest run, uh, that's where it's going to be. And it's super flat, super fast. Um, I'd done some other marathons in between, um, you know, London and uh, Boston and Seoul. Um, I'd been sort of hovering around 307, 310, that type of thing. And then so i went all in for the training for for berlin with laura like came up with a plan of like what we were going to do and i and actually then i kind of like gave up drinking for like 3 months and i was like really dedicated and then actually it was one of my worst performing ones uh, that i've had um i think i feel like i put too much pressure um, and I did, I guess I just didn't really respond to it. And I think I think I did in the end something like I think it was three hours 13 or 314 or something like that. So it was, you know, the, the worst one that I had done. And I think that when I'd started to feel very tired, and my my legs felt like they weighed about 2000 kilos each um in the last sort of five kilometers i was so panicked and looking at like my watch and oh no but i'm falling behind and i've got to you know and i was just wasting so much energy i think that's just where it just was all a bit too much so then i haven't really focused on it as much as like as i did leading up to that um actually when it was march 2020 i'd then was going to be doing the tokyo marathon and that was going to be my sixth star um and so i was just kind of like going in for it done all my training and as we know in March 2020 this thing called COVID came along and the race was cancelled and luckily I um, then I I had been in touch with the Los Angeles marathon who then said hey you can have a a last minute place here uh, if you wanted to travel to, to, to Los Angeles and at the time the COVID thing had been sort of just something that was happening in in Asia Pacific and so uh, I was like sure yeah I'll come to LA and, and I'll race it feels like that was the last event on the planet before we went into lockdown I think the race was on 9th of March 2020 um so it seems crazy now um sort of thinking back to it but I did and then again I did a 305 and I qualified for for Boston again and so I feel like I actually get closer to the 3 hour target when I put less pressure on it so actually as i've gone into this training for tokyo again so it was my place was deferred so fingers crossed march 2023 is when I'll, I'll get my sixth star i'm not actually even wearing a watch at the moment when i'm training um i'm just kind of doing my sort of 30k runs and running how i feel um and seeing how that works out um i'm not saying that i'm hoping for a sub three hours, but, um, let's see how that, how I respond to it on the day by just not having the distraction of watches and, and things like that. And may, maybe it will work. I'm not sure. I, I did. Um, I was lucky enough to a few years ago train in Kenya with, um, I think you, you've interviewed him on, on this podcast, uh, Darren and Finn. Uh, so I went with, I, I went with him, uh, to Kenya for a couple of weeks, um, training, and I remember that that was one of the things when he would be talking to to different athletes uh, in Iten where we were, um, and they he would be like, look, no, notice that they're not wearing watches and they don't really focus on that the same way that that we would. Now I'm not saying we're going to perform anywhere near as good <laughs> as those uh, Kenyan athletes, uh, but yeah, who knows? Maybe one day uh, I'll get below below three. On and that's the thing, I guess. Like on paper. As you were saying with my half marathon, I feel like that's my peak sort of performance because on paper, yes, I've done a one hour 19. I think this year I did my first half marathon was 121. So on paper, I should be able to take a bit of the edge off that and then still complete by sort of two hours, 59. But it's eluded me so far. So I'll keep you posted. And and you two, you're both training for it at the moment or you've achieved it already or...
1: Alan's achieved it, but I haven't. So, like, yeah, the marathon is heartbreaking because you know sometimes like everything seems to go right and then it doesn't materialize in that time in the race. So it's it's kind of a different beast.
2: Yeah,
0: I think what you say what you say about uh, kind of holding your ambition too tightly. You know, we talk about uh, in our training discussions. We talk about trying to run with a quiet mind so not having a watch all of those kind of things help you to do that mm. and, and not be too obsessed about focusing on on two seconds off pace and you know the, all this stuff you're just burning energy and tensing up uh, and none of none of that help, helps you probably yeah when you least expect it you probably run you know 257 or something like that because you your times are quite your half marathon times are quite capable it's just a question of getting yourself into the right flow state for that
2: yeah let's see how it goes and and yeah you're right liz that it is like it's a bit of an unknown all the time isn't it going into a marathon it's a long way it's a a lot that can happen uh depending on the day i do always kind of it it makes me smile when um you know people sort of ask where are you racing next and i might say "Oh, which city uh and people are like oh is that a hard marathon i'm like they're all hard they're all like they're all, they're all very long. Um, I understand that there are some that have a, a different level and, and degree of difficulty, but they're definitely all hard because they're all a long way. We, we talk
0: that about fast, they are. we talk about fast marathons rather than hard marathons because all marathons are hard. Some are faster than others. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah. Maybe I'll just ask you: uh, Do you have a place where you prefer people get the book? if they're interested in getting a copy for themselves?
2: So, no, I, I don't have a, a preferred. So I think um, they, they can go just go online. Uh, so either on Amazon is often people's easiest place, I guess, um, or there are other places, uh, sort of more local ones in UK, like Waterstones or Barnes & Noble. Uh, but I don't have a preferred one. So wherever people choose to, to buy it is um, good. They can either buy a physical copy or uh, the e-book um, is there as well.
0: And you're always up to something, it seems, and you're still up to to uh quite a few shenanigans. So where can people follow you, Michael Long, if they want to see what you're up to?
2: Yeah, so I guess uh easiest place is on Instagram. Uh so my handle is just at Long M20, so L-O-N-G-M twenty, the letter. And then generally I'll sort of like post all my travels on there and race results and and things like that. That's probably the best uh, place to kind of get most up-to-date stuff or LinkedIn if they, if they want to, Uh, I'm always uh, happy to connect on there as well.
1: And is there something that you're, that you're planning or something you want to share that you're up to right now?
2: So I guess uh, the biggest one right now is trying to get that six star. So hopefully I wanted to kind of like do that before I was 40. So it was almost working out because I turned 40 in June, 2020. Um, And so if I, if Uh. I'd had the race in March, 2020, it would have, it would have worked out, but you know uh, more important things, uh, you know, happened in the world than just me getting the six star. So, um, so it will still be really special. And that's partly also why I think I've, decided not to run with the the watch because I also want to really celebrate that um and just be able to enjoy uh the 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 day um so that's kind of like the biggest one coming up um I did say to Stephen I was like and that's it then I'm going to retire from like competitive marathons and he was like no you won't (laughs) uh and I was like I will I will I will I won't and uh, and then he was like so you don't want to do any more and I was like oh well there's just two more things like yeah (laughs) <laughs> he was like, see, I knew it. Um, so I would always kind of thought that like the one that I would quite like to do for sort of uh, my sort of like swan song from like uh, competitive running was the, the Marathon de Medoc, the one in Bordeaux, which is then yeah, got yeah. The, the different vineyards every sort of mile or so um, yes, that people yes. can kind of meet at. So Stephen's definitely up for that one because he, uh, he he does enjoy a bit of wine as well. So I would quite like to do that one at some point. I Know there are rumors of, uh, or there's going to be a, a potentially a seventh star. So, I guess if I have six and they add a seventh, I guess I will then you know be lured into that of kind of going, Oh, well, no, I've, I've got to do at least one more. Um, and the other thing that I was re- reading about recently was the, Mar- uh, the Olympics, um, is coming up in Paris in, in 2024, is the next summer Olympic Games, and so the marathon there they're going to actually open to the public so where um the elites will have their race but then once they've kind of all set off there'll be a bunch of people that will be able to apply and and be i guess as regular civilians uh racing in the time so that would be pretty cool to to be part of that if i could be i mean everyone's i'm sure wanting to to be part of it but um that would be amazing if i if i could be part of that so um yeah potentially a few a few other things that uh, i've sort of got on my radar that i would uh like to achieve at some point um i have a few years ago uh got a world record and then i'm always kind of in the back of my mind i'm like if someone beats it would i try and beat it again and claim it back that i i feel like um i i sort of say oh no but i could always then say i was a former world record holder but i feel like the competitor within me would be like no i want that back. Uh, so <laughs>
1: and what, what's the world record
2: uh, so for it's the running the fastest half marathon dressed as a swimmer oh. yeah so um I did that in in London in 2019 um I think the current record at the time had been one hour 39 my record is one hour 29 um I hope nobody mm-hmm. listening is then going to go oh maybe I could beat that Oh, I can do uh, that. Yeah, exactly.
1: no. Well, it depends, though. You know, we all say that. But then, like, what do you have to wear well, uh, so, yeah. in terms of the swimming?
2: So you do. It is quite strict of uh, of what you have to wear. So you have to um, just wear a, a speedo. Uh, like, um, And then you can obviously wear a trainers. You have to have, like, the armbands, uh, so the float uh, floats on, a swimming cap, a mask, and a snorkel as well. Um, so you have to have that. You don't have to breathe through the snorkel. You can just have that attached to your head. So they are quite strict on on that's what you've got to wear. I do have some in the tank that I could uh, race it quicker. The reason I'd kind of gone for that time is that I had to have two witnesses that saw me race the whole thing together. So I paced with the one hour, 30 paces um, and then I ran slightly ahead of them uh, at the very end. Uh, so they were two of my my two key witnesses. Um, so I guess I do have a quicker time within me um if I was willing to run with like a GoPro on my head um as well, I guess because um I think that's how they they uh, they do it, so maybe let's see or maybe i would I would just be satisfied to say, I was once a world record holder uh, I'm good with that
0: yeah, records are there to be broken,
2: yeah, exactly um if
0: you if you uh, are are still not successful by sort of a year in in, over the next year of your three-hour marathon you can come and have a try with us if you want we're probably lining up to have a good kick at the sub three-hour marathon in october 2023 at the petit train du nord which is um a trail slightly downhill fast trail marathon in quebec quite known for its um speed but it's a it's an no, it's a kosher course it's a Boston qualifier um and we're looking at lining that up for our next quick marathon attempt in October 23 so okay definitely and it's you
1: theoretically that- it's theoretically a trail but it it like it it's a gravel it's like a gravel bike path so it's not a trail like with roots and things. Yeah. Um, OK,
0: it's which, you know, it's
1: slow you down. It's, it's where we're it's to like... be
0: fast. I think it, it does almost the one of the most Boston qualifiers of any marathon. Oh, really? um, and it's always sold out. But we know we know the organizers. So we would try and get you a special entry if you need one. So let us know.
2: Oh, thank you. No, that would be that would be great. See, Stephen's away for work at the moment. He's going to come back and I'll be like, and just one other one uh, <laughs> that we just need <laughs> to go to Canada for uh so yeah that would be great i'd I'd love that
1: yeah and being october 1st like the leaves are usually changing colors
0: absolutely gorgeous look it up look it up on the uh, website i will
1: i was just gonna say the leaves haven't fallen yet they're just they've just changed color so um it's october 1st uh they used to have it a little later but then it was like really too cold so october 1st seems to be kind of a sweet spot where it's you know it's like it's it's cool so, you know, you're going to be cold at the start, but it's a good good uh marathon performance uh running temperature.
2: Okay, great. No, I definitely will 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 stay in touch on that one. And and the scenery, I think that's going to be um how I'm going to sell it to Stephen. I'm sure that's going to be my my way of of kind of then saying we've got to go. Uh so, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really nice cuz it's uh it's it's like a an old railroad that they they took the rails away and they made it a bike path and it was gravel but they've since started paving sections of it um so there'll be some paved sections as well but it's still like uh it's like it's all tree cover
2: oh nice
1: so it's really nice that's
2: fantastic and good good temperature because yeah the two times that i've run in In Canada so the Montreal race that I did as you will have read in the book that was minus 12 I think or minus 13 Um, and then when I came running with you Alan this summer it was really hot Uh, so I've had the two extremes so I guess this will be somewhere in Mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle
1: yeah I think this year that race had like four degrees at the start or something like that like four degrees celsius
0: yeah going to about 10 so it's it's pretty good for for racing in
1: you need to keep warm at the start, but once you've started, you're pretty pretty okay. Mm-hmm. I actually went into um the race results uh, for the hypothermic half because I used to live, uh, I used to live downtown, and I used to do it most years. And I was I was just kind of curious to see like if I had done it the year that you did it, but oh, did I, you? I didn't. I checked the results; my name wasn't there. Oh
2: no! Oh, that's such a shame.
1: Uh... Yeah, I thought like, oh, maybe we had. We had met.
0: That would
2: have been amazing.
0: I'm pretty sure that I did the hypothermic half marathon the same year as you, except I did the Ottawa race. Oh, really? So I actually, oh. Yeah, I was actually in a different place. Oh, that's cool. so. But it's all good.
1: Yeah. So so to make you feel better, that, that hypothermic half was pretty much the standard experience like that race is always freezing and you, you know you're lucky when you don't have either a snowstorm right before or like I, like ice pellets hitting you in the face like there was one year it had um it had kind of like ice rained and so it was uh it was a sheet of ice hidden underneath like a few inches of snow and it was just treacherous. Like people were sliding all over the place and you have to do like three loops of the same thing. So yeah. you, <laughs> you know that you're coming back for that section that took you forever to run.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. It was certainly a, a, an, an experience that that one for sure. And I do remember when I went to pick up my race number in Montreal, um, they'd kind of said, oh, have you got your ID? And I gave over my passport. And when they they took it, they were like, "Well, you're from London England we thought that like your your name was like London Ontario like we like it's very unusual for people mm-hmm. to travel all the way over but yeah I I, I did love that race but I did I, there was one point where I thought of it actually when I was doing my training run this weekend because it's quite cold here in England at the moment and my thumb had started to get a little bit cold um, and so I, uh, I kind of like put it under my, my armpit as I was running for it for a little while. And that's I had to do that in the hypothermic half marathon uh, in Montreal because it, it was freezing. But yeah, a, gra- mm-hmm. a great race. Um, I, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it's really well organized and everything. It's just very, very cold every year.
2: <laughs> so
0: just a summary of uh, The Mock Olympian by Michael Long. First of all, a great and crazy travelogue adventure with a high running and olympic focus so that would be my sort of potted phrase for it i love the quick facts about each olympics or olympic host that you give at the start of each chapter so you find out that for, for example you know antwerp in 1920 was the first appearance of the olympic flag you find out that helsinki stadium was built actually built in 1942 before the war but it had to wait for the whole second world war to finish until it could host the Olympics in 1952, etc. I'm a nerd, so I like to collect facts like that. I liked some more, some of the more unusual events you did when the big city half marathon was not available at the time, etc. So things like uh, you mentioned the Amsterdam canal swim sounded pretty funky. Um, the Montreal hypothermic uh, that we've just spoken about in in the Canadian winter and the epilogue. Uh, brings the whole book around full circle with a photo of Michael as a kid running in Greece with his uh, his his little boyish uh, looks in in Athens and bringing the whole Olympic uh, events around full circle. A fun and easy book to read and and very entertaining. And uh, oh, I would hope that the podcast uh, that we've just done sort of catches the flavor of that a little bit. Highly recommended.
1: I guess I'll add that uh, this book is for anyone that enjoys hearing about crazy adventures that runners devise for themselves as goals, uh, but it's not a detailed account of the preparation that went into every run. The story around each race highlights the things Michael did in each city, including running, and features some anecdotes and people he met along the way, so those are always fun. Um, although it's not a book that's meant to teach the audience, I actually did learn quite a bit with those little, uh, those little comments at the beginning, but also I learned that it's, uh, it's possible for someone to be immune to hangovers, which I didn't know before, and, um, in terms of physical appearance, the book has a fun cover picture featuring the Earth with a runner and some iconic landmarks uh, around the outside. It actually kind of reminds me of the tiny planet photos that you can get with those Insta 360 cameras. Uh, so it's uh, it's a really fun cover um, cover art. And the book is uh, is thin, and the chapters are short, so it's a quick read. But beware, you will need to know some runner jargon because Michael uses words like ISO drink and uh sometimes there's no explanation but if you're a runner that doesn't really matter because you'll know exactly what he's talking about Uh, if you like the photos um that are included in books then this book does have photos included but they're um they're black and white so um would have been nice to have some color but uh we definitely appreciate the photos
0: so all that remains to say is thanks michael for your time and uh for running with me uh back in Montreal and uh, for talking with us today and providing us with copies of your book so we can have
2: this chat. Thank you very much. No, I really appreciate talking to you. I've really enjoyed it and great to to get you to know you both uh, a bit more. And I look forward to running with you in first of October next year for the sub three hours. Yeah,
1: definitely. Let's do it. Yes. Oh, we've got, uh, got a whole group now.
2: Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Running Book Reviews. Big thank you to Michael for providing a review copy of the book and for spending time with us today. If you'd like to leave us feedback about how we can improve the podcast or want to suggest a book that you'd like for us to review in a future episode, please leave us a comment on social media. We are Running Book Reviews on Facebook and Instagram, and on Twitter we are reviews underscore running. Please also follow us on social media to find out about new episodes when they're released, or you can just subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming platform. If you've been listening for a while and are wondering how you can help us out, there are a few ways. If you're enjoying the podcast, spread the word. Tell your friends about us or share a link to your favorite episode with a running partner. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if this is how you listen to your podcast. You can also rate us on Spotify out of five stars. We're now on buy me a coffee as well, where you can buy us a coffee, or you can just go to our buy me a coffee page for free and see the and listen to the few cool little extras that we've posted. Bye for now.
0: Bye for now.